Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. And welcome to the Steelers Depot live stream here on this Monday, April 3rd, the first uh, full week here of April. As always, Alex Kazor, Dave Bryant here with you guys until 8 p.m. Eastern time answering all of your Steelers questions. Dave, how you doing? Good, good to be back with you. Happy Monday and thank you for everybody who is in the chat already and listening. Glad to have you. Yep, got a good number in the chat. So just give me one second to pull up the stream on my end so I can see all the questions and then Dave and I will get to answering them as we are busy with pro days wrapping up, pre-draft visits, a little bit of free agency talk since we last uh, had our live stream reminder. Dave and I will try to answer as many and hopefully all questions until the top of the hour, although there is no guarantee of that. If you want a guarantee of your question being asked and answered by Dave and myself, be sure to send us a super chat. No obligation, but that does move you to the front of the line. Also, you guys could like the stream. would really appreciate that and get more people into the live stream. So we'll start things off with our first question from our friend Mike Adesso who says, Hi guys, good discussion Friday podcast on realistic guys at 17, but here I am again reminding you that Jackson Smith and Jigba shouldn't be counted out there. If we're going to mock at right tackle at 17, why not a wide receiver that checks all the boxes? Fair point overall on him. He does check all the boxes. Um, shouldn't be discounted. I, I guess I personally, and maybe, I'm, maybe this is my own bias clouding it, I'm kind of putting him in that Lucas Van Ness box of he checks the boxes I just don't think he'll be the pick, but you're right in terms of, you know, removing my own thoughts here for a second. And just in terms of first round guy, Tomlin calling out the pro day, he does fit. Yeah, I think it's plausible uh, for sure. Uh, talented, talented kid too. Uh, especially go back a couple of years ago, right. Uh, to his college tape. Uh, at the time, I remember thinking to myself, man, is that, is that kid going to be the top wide receiver in the class? You know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're at the pro day and we'll, we'll obviously see if they bring him in for a visit, but you know, not, 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 you know, not Uber necessary for him to be the pick at this point, obviously power five, uh, we'll have to see where he fits in. I would imagine he's going to match most of the boxes on the, on the Alex cause or what the Steelers look for, uh, criteria. I've just been kind of thinking, you know, for a little while now that he might be one of those guys that'll be off the board too. You know? Yeah, I think he'll be in the mix to be the first receiver taken right around in that range in that 15 to 20 mark is kind of where I think the first one, whoever that is, whether it's Johnston from TCU or, or JSN or Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, probably going to be in that area. Uh, I just, you know, given the history of not taking receivers that often in the first round, um, given the fact it's a slot type receiver, I know there's a need there, but is that the first round guy? Again, I, I can't discount it. I won't discount it. His name will be included whenever we do kind of our, our article uh, later this month on the the names to watch for at 17. I just think it's less likely than the other options. 
that would blow a lot of lot of uh, people's minds, you know, overall if they did take a wide receiver in the first round, right? Oh yeah, uh, including mine, including mine. Uh, Brian Jonker says thumbs up to Alex, and he'll be back. So hopefully you're back in the chat by now. Got a question about uh, Pittsburgh still trying to upgrade the interior offensive line. Didn't think Cole was bad last year. I had a video that just went up uh, a short time ago, uh, just briefly outlining Mason Cole. We'll see. I really don't know where Pittsburgh wants to go. I mean. You know, you would think they're good along the interior in terms of starters, but we'll find out how they feel about Mason Cole. Yeah, look, you look at some of the pre, you know, the uh, the pro day action that they've had, and uh, it, it leads you to believe that nobody should be shocked if they do draft a, a more center-like, you know, capable player at some point during this draft. So, uh, I mean, I'm with you. I think Mason Cole did an admirable job. I think they can uh, – start him again uh, this season and I think they can have success with him. Uh, but uh, on top of it, you know, this team right now only has, uh, who's it? Ryan, uh, who's McCollum. McCollum. Yep. Uh, technically the only true, I mean, depending on what you want to call uh, uh, James Daniel, uh, obviously, but, uh, and his capability there, but you know, right now McCollum's really the only, you know, kind of carry over from last year that, that, that probably saw snaps at center in practice. And of course he was on the practice squad. So uh, it's just hard to kind of, when you're doing a mock draft or trying, trying to figure out where they might take one, that's, that's where it becomes difficult, especially mm -hmm. if they do wind up taking a tackle early in this draft, you know? And this is the time where I pester you. When's your first mock draft? Are you, are you only going to do one this year? You're going to do your, your classic two? I, I got so much stuff, you know, we're trying to do with the site and, and, and stuff like that, that that people don't see and, you know, trying to chip in writing when I can. So it'll get done when it gets done. I'll have at least one. Okay. The, the, the final at least one. one. So uh, we'll see if I can't pound out another one before then. If they draft an interior guy, I still, I still don't know what their plan is going to be out of the gate. Just back up, just pure depth and, and extreme depth or really compete with Cole or something else. I'm just not quite sure what that plan would be. Yeah, that that's the hard part. Now, obviously, if you draft one with one of the first two picks, then you would expect him to compete and potentially even open open the, the season as a starter. But uh, as much as it would probably surprise a lot of folks, if they drafted a wide receiver with their first pick, I think it would be just as you know surprising if they took a center uh, with one of the first two picks, you know, yeah. so that that's what makes it challenging is, you know, if they, if they, a, where would they potentially pick a center at? You would, you would, I, you know, I think you would guess that it would be maybe round three or later. And if they did, what, what does the plan, you know, how, how serious of a chance would, would that, uh, player get to actually push Mason Cole for the job, at least to start the season. Sure, but the guys they've looked at are second-round guys. Steve Avelia, John Michael Schmitz, who may be a round-one guy, Cody Mock. Now, center does usually somehow, it just, you know, it just seems over the years, center gets pushed down, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have to, to wait and see, but I'm really kind of, you know, chewing on that one, trying to figure out what this team's plan might be. Got a question here from Jonathan Mason. True or false, if Paris Johnson Jr. makes it to 12, the Steelers will trade up to get him and if they do, what do you think it'll take? Putting aside the conversation, if, if Pittsburgh had if were to trade up, would they go after somebody like a Paris Johnson Jr.? 
Well, yeah, like we like I think we've talked a couple of times on the podcast. Uh, the one player that I could see having the most, you know, probability for the Steelers to trade up for would be, I think, Paris Johnson. But uh, I mean, if you're talking going what seventeen to what, what do you say twelve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twelve. I mean, that's probably gonna that's probably gonna cost the first and the second, right? I'd, least, I'd have I'd have to look at the trade value chart. Could you swing? Just pick eighty to go up five. I'd have to look. Maybe forty nine. I, I don't have the the math in front of me. Right, uh, but I mean, I if they did go if they did move up, I would think it would be for a guy like Paris Johnson. Period. Yeah. End of story. I'll have an article talking about that a bit more in the morning on Steel's Depot, some trade-up candidates, uh, really just to meet two names. Just a reminder, if you guys could like the stream, got 72 people here, really appreciate that. Also, apparently 72 comments on Jonathan Hightrader's new mock draft. So it is some Steelers football faith for you guys to go check out Jonathan's Monday mock. Back to the questions, Bruce Myers. A lot of people think the Steelers will draft a wide receiver somewhere in this draft, but my question is, wouldn't a tight end be better than a fourth wide receiver? I don't know if it'd be a fourth wide receiver. Right now you got two guys in Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. They're pretty established from there. I think it's open. Now, Kevin Austin, obviously, I think is who Bruce is referring to, but this guy's never played an NFL down in preseason or, of course, regular season action. So you don't want to hand this guy anything and just make Austin your automatic number three. And my thought is get another receiver in there. If Calvin Austin is good, then you have two good receivers and that's a good problem to have in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, and nothing says that you can't get both those, both Calvin Austin, the third and, and whoever you drafted playing time, especially if they're kind of different body types, you know, and especially if, you know, and, and, and you would think that if they did draft a wide receiver specifically, maybe within their, in the first four rounds that, that, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be, it would be one that would have some versatility uh, mm-hmm. within him and all as well too. So I don't think you can just look at him, look at a, a receiver that they would potentially grab, especially in the first, let's say four rounds as one that would, you know, a be the full-time number three. Uh, you know, I, I would think that, that they'd find a way to maybe, you know, platoon with uh, Calvin Austin, the the, the, the third. But yeah, as we've, as I've stated since the season ended, I mean, you fortunately, Alex, you got to see a little bit of Calvin Austin, the third in training camp. You know, I'm still going off of his, uh, off of his uh, tape at Memphis, you know, and that's all I have to go on at this, this point. So people, you know, people say, oh, you, Dave's down on Calvin Austin, the third. No, I'm not down on him. I just haven't seen him. How, how can I paint a rosy picture about him when I haven't even seen him take a snap in the Steelers uniform yet? So, uh, but he is a little bit on the smaller side there as well, too. So, uh, yeah, I, I would, I, I like the probability of this team drafting a wide receiver at some point. And I would suspect that he would be a little bit bigger than Calvin Austin is. And you'll probably have some versatility to him. And that's, that's kind of the stance that I've had all, all off season when it comes to that. Yeah, I think he'll be versatile. I, I still wrestle, have another dilemma with where and who and, and who's the best fit overall. But you want to have a good depth at receiver. Somebody's going to get hurt at some point. You can't just be three deep and really those are three starters and, and expect to survive a season that way. Just the way that Pittsburgh is adding their offensive line depth and not counting on the incredible health they had with their front five last year. Can't count on that really at any, any position. And that includes a uh, wide receiver. 
Got a question from a fellow Alex. How do the Steelers fix their yak problem? Dave, how does Pittsburgh fix their yak problem? Uh, for, for, for one, you can start uh, delivering the football to these wide receivers on routes that, uh, you know, help facilitate more yak instead of, you know, a lot of these outs or curls. And, you know, I, I had a couple of posts on that, uh, at least one for sure. I know, I know last year and, you know, I, I think that played quite a, a bit into, uh, you know, a guy like Deontay Johnson, for instance, there and, and, and his lack of yak, but, you know, you got to build more, you, you got to start building some more slants into this thing, uh, some more, you know, uh, in cutting routes a little bit deeper down the field instead of just playing, you know, a lot of curls, a lot of comebacks, a lot of out routes. That would help uh, first and foremost. And second is, you know, uh, have, having a player that shows, you know, good ability to to be able to deliver that yak now one thing you you know talking about calvin austin the third him coming out boy he was fantastic you know after the catch at memphis and and broke off a lot of uh receptions that way but you're not going to get those by by constantly throwing you know comebacks and curls and out routes and all like that there's not going to be much many opportunities for a receiver to break one uh, uh, for for considerable yak there, and and look, you know, you go back to what this team last year did last year. I mean, that number's got to come up. Uh, it absolutely has to come up, and you know, I think you can uh, help facilitate that with with some of these routes that you're delivering the football to on. Yeah, I think in large part the answer is schematically. It's not the only answer, but it's the the biggest part of that. And a lot of those uh, the lack of yak was just the limitations of all the sprint outs and out routes, and just not allowing guys to do damage after the catch. The lack of slants we noted throughout last season, and so you don't have those kind of routes that allow yak. You're not going to get yak. It's pretty pretty simple. Uh, Joe uh, Glusco says, true or false? Got a lot of true or falses today. The biggest need on this roster is corner. Man, that is a tough one. Is it is a corner I'm, or D line? I'm, I'm saying false. What, that, what, that is, what's the biggest uh, need? Then? I, I I would say uh, you know defensive line is where I would start. That's where my first thought was at, and I've said that throughout the offseason. He did at least resign a Larry Ogunjobi. You brought a um, Fahoko on the roster just for some cheap run depth. Um, and with corner, we had this conversation today about the slot corner. I really don't know who that's going to be. Outside corner, uh, Patrick Peterson you know, is going to be there, but for how long and how good is he going to be? And then you look at next year, what you have, a lot of guys hitting for agency and Levi Wallace and... Arthur Millette and Akella Witherspoon and James Pierre. I might say corner, just given the the really big question there in the slot and the big question there in terms of lack of athleticism overall, the lack of speed and the the future uh, that you're going to need guys there in 2024. So it's real close to me. I'm not going to twist your arm if someone says D-line, but I, I might go cornerback right now. I do have a built-in bias, though, when it comes to a cornerback in the first round. Uh, not not as heavy of a bias as it was against running back. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't. You know, uh, especially if you got you know if you got a good cornerback that ends up you know end, uh, ends up being a lockdown cornerback, you can obviously milk that uh, for you know and, and and play that several years uh, with, with without a doubt there. But man, I just I'm old school. The closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, the better. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Let me just go ahead and pull up the chat. It kind of froze for a second. There was a super chat in here that I missed. I apologize. The uh, the live chat on my end is being a little weird right now, and I just lost where that super chat went. Okay, it was from uh, LV for a $2 super chat, so thank you for that. It says, 
Game five, offense sucks. Matt C fire. That is the worst haiku. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so he's saying, okay, five games into the year, the offense is bad. Is Canada fired? This is probably a record for the earliest Canada fired question that we've gotten, and that's a it's a heavy competition. I don't know. I mean, Pittsburgh's history of firing coordinators is is rare. I'm not sure when the last time that happened in season was. So it depends on what the issue is. Is it injuries? Is it player? Is it you know schematic? It's always a combination probably thereof, but you know, what's the driving force behind it? So my guess is no, but you know, that's such a, it's a broad based question. Yeah. There's so many, as you mentioned, there's so many variables involved uh, within that. And it's not like they would go out and get another, probably a coordinator outside the organization. So you're back to kind of really, you know, dealing with potential, you know, potentially the same choice you had last year, which would be Mike Sullivan, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, typically, you know. I mean, no had, had they gone out and got you know, uh, you know, uh, a pat, you know, uh, a passing game, or, or you know, a guy like Lefkowitz or somebody like that, people, you know, who people were hollering for, uh, maybe that would add, you know, a little bit more mystery to it. But they obviously have not done that yet. So, and then once again, they just don't have a history of, 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 of you know, fire, firing a coordinator, especially early in the season too. You know, so there's so many variables involved. Right. All right. Next question comes from Verdon Barzi, who we haven't heard from. Actually, it was a question here from AB, who says, post-draft, who is a free agent receiver you think that Pittsburgh should target? I really oh, wow. think that pool is so, you know, dried up. I haven't looked at it in a while. I had a list of names, you know, as free agency began. I don't know really who's out there right now. Um, again, they're likely to draft somebody, and we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, and I haven't really looked at the list too terribly much, to be honest with you, when it comes to wide receiver overall. Uh, let's see if there's some some names out here. I mean, uh, it would obviously be you know a cheaper kind of guy, you would think, right? That's basically all that's left besides, yeah. I guess, Odell Beckham Jr., and he might end up in Baltimore at this point. Right. I mean, no, nobody's jumping out. Uh, did that Olamide Zacchaeus end up signing somewhere? I don't think he does kind of fit as a receiver run game, jet sweep, I guess, kind of guy. So yeah, he would fit. I, I can't remember if he re-signed with somebody or not. I don't think so. Um, I'll, I'd have to double check, but I, I don't recall hearing that, but you know, let, let's get through the draft and kind of take it from there. Yeah, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be anybody going to move the needle much as far right. as the excitement level, you know? All right, our friend here, Verdon Barzi, good to hear from you, says, uh, haven't connected in, in a minute, but have listened to the recordings. Watch Porter and not impressed for a pick at 17, are you? Are you impressed with Joey Porter Jr. as a number 17 pick, Dave? I mean, look, he's got his warts and all, you know, the, the, the clutching and the grabbing, and you and I talked this morning a little bit about the lack of, you know, production, but I don't view that lack of interceptions uh, in the same manner that I, I viewed you know, back when we had those conversations about Devin Bush and and the lack of playmaking from 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 that aspect, you know, you'd really would have to go, you know, snap by snap over the years and 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 you know take a a much closer look at the kind of targets when he was targeted. And as we mentioned this morning, you know, uh, I, I can't remember what the talk was about Jalen Jalen Ramsey when he came out, but I seem to remember a little bit of talk about where where. Where was where was the production as far as the interceptions go? And uh, wasn't he a little bit grabby in college too? Yeah, I think so. I have to try to think back. That that sounds right. You know, but I mean, uh, I don't think he's going to be the top 
top cornerback in this class, and I understand some of the concerns that are out there, but you know, he also is a guy that's easy to connect the dots to. I mean, because once you get past those top like three or four corners too, even though this is a you know uh, you know probably a deeper cornerback class overall, there seems to be a pretty good, pretty decent gap in there. You know. Yeah, I would say that Christian Gonzalez will be the top corner. I think Porter's probably second, and from there, I really don't know how it's gonna go, how it's gonna look. I mean, Witherspoon is kind of conventionally thought as the third guy. I could see maybe somebody passing him. Um, Deontay Banks or somebody like that, you know, we'll see how Witherspoon, he's got his workout tomorrow on Tuesday. So that'll be good for him to finally get out on the field for the first time in this pre-jab process. I mean, what, what if, what if, you know, Witherspoon ends up being kind of deemed the third, the third corner in his class? I think he fits Pittsburgh, you know, can play inside, outside hitter, you know, just, is he checking those boxes in terms of pro day? Um, obviously, I, I, I guess a better question is, is, is how likely is it that that Porter might be deemed the second, you know, and all it takes is one team. Right. You know, but but how likely is it uh, for, for Porter maybe to be considered by one team, the second best corner in this class? Oh, I can needs, see that. That, oh. that. that needs a corner. Yeah, you know? I can easily. I think I'm kind of expecting Porter to be the second corner taken right now. Mm. All right. So then you would have, you, you're you're kind of hedging in it. You think he might be off the board then, right? Yeah, I've kind of always said it's a coin flip. I think maybe I've moved towards, I guess, him being more likely to be gone than to be there. But obviously I would not be shocked if he was at 17 just because the cornerback the, the class is deep, it's strong, but it may not be super top-heavy as it has been in, in the past couple of years. We had, you know, Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley and names like that. Got a question here. Uh, says, hey, Alex, in general, how do you feel about right tackles coming out of the draft being played at left tackle? It's a question for the Steelers and some guys like Darnell Wright, Daywan Jones, etc. It's a valid question. It's just to me case by case. I don't paint that with a broad brush in terms of what guys can play left tackle, what guys can't. Darnell Wright has played left tackle before. Daywan Jones has, and so it depends on their feet, depends on their athleticism. I think overall the lines have blurred. Um, in terms of the X's and O's, I think financially it's still different where right tackles get paid less than left tackles. But you know, if you're a left tackle or right tackle, you better be able to pass protect. It really isn't that much different. If you're a right tackle, you're blocking TJ Watt. If you're a right tackle, you're blocking Max Crosby. If you're a left tackle, you're blocking you know Miles Garrett. So uh, I, I don't think it really matters a tackle's a tackle to me, and you better have the skill set to pass protect. If you don't, you're going to be a liability. And nowadays they'll find you. Yep. <laughs> they'll they'll find you with their guy. Now, obviously, a lot less with the Steelers. It's not often that you see uh, T.J. Watt, you know, flip sides. But I mean, you see Miles Garrett flip sides. You see some of these better pass pass rushers in the league, uh, not named T.J. Watt. You know, will 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 switch sides. You know, right. So they'll 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 find you if you're if you're weak. So, uh, you know, as as Alex said. Can, can you pass protect and can you run? But, you know, are, are you a good tackle at whatever position you're at? Steelers D-line coach Carl Dunbar calls it the fish of the week. Who is the fish of the week, which is, I guess, the fish out of water, the weak link, the guy that you want to go after. And so they'll find you, as Dave said. The Pirates, by the way, up 3 nothing on Boston here early. So we'll see if that elite evaporates by the time we're done here. But <laughs> there you go. All right, Russ Obenstein says, what's up, Alex and Dave and all in the chat? Appreciate you being here. Appreciate everybody joining Dave, and I will have a couple more of these until the 2023 NFL draft. Be sure to hit that like button. Dave and I would really appreciate that. 
Uh, Brian Jonker, who is the most likely trade partner to trade back with and get an extra fifth or and, and sixth round pick? I, I have no idea, Brian. It just depends on on the million variables we talk about all the time in terms of the board, the offers. You know, if a guy falls, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I'm having a hard enough time just trying to figure out who might be on, <laughs> be on the board at 17. Now you want me to try to predict a, 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 a trade down, you know? Uh yeah, it's just it's so hard. I, you know, I, I will still stand by uh, the fact, no, well, not a fact, but but my speculation that I won't be shocked if Kevin Dotson is dealt dealt some at some point during this draft for I don't know fifth or sixth round pick or something like that. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know if they'll wait until more of the summer because if you're a team, might as well just draft that guy instead of trading for him. But we'll just have to to wait and see. Uh, Mark Miller does not see left tackle being a priority early unless one of the big three falls. He thinks they will look to add depth in the later rounds. So we'll see. The tea leaves seem to suggest potentially otherwise, but uh, maybe they're more comfortable with Dan Moore and Choku Markor for than some of their moves here are indicating. And as we've talked about the arm length, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, uh, look, look at the arm length at, at, at you know, maybe a, a, a tackle. Because look, if you're talking about true left tackles at this point, you know, you talk about what Paris Johnson and uh, uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia, and, and Broderick Jones from Georgia, and then depending on what measurement you want to use during the the pre-draft process, uh, uh, potentially maybe Darnell Wright, right? Because didn't we did didn't mm-hmm. we see a couple of different um, uh, message uh, 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 measurements on him? And he has, of course, played some left tackle during his college career. Now, if you if you deem Skaronsky as being a left tackle, then his arms ain't going to come anywhere close to what nor- normally the Steelers look for. So, uh, it, it that's one of the the things that after the after the fact, it's going to be I have at least on my checklist to to go right to. You know. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I don't think they view Skaronsky as a tackle. I know that Meyer was at that pro day. I just don't think they're going to be that interested in Skaronsky. If they were, it'd be to play guard or maybe even center, probably more center in Pittsburgh, given what they've done at guard here in free agency. James Ellis says, if we trade up, it better be Jalen Carter. And I guess you got to get got to get in the top 10 to get a visit with Jalen Carter these days. I still think he goes top 10, though. Yeah, I... I, I... Man, he's so talented. The tape, the tape don't lie, right? Yeah, if you're talented, teams uh, will overlook whatever baggage you bring. And all it takes is one team. And even if he was to just slide out of the the top ten, uh, you know, how, how much longer would he stay on the board at that at, at that point? There, I I found it a curious decision on his part to say that he won't visit with teams outside of top ten because. You know what happens if he does slide out of the top ten? Does he? You know, hope, you know, teams would probably just outside of the top ten would probably like to talk to him during a pre-draft visit just to get some of the information straight from the horse's mouth and see how because because that's a you know some teams they they really they they want to bring the kids in like that to hear you know hear it from them you know mm-hmm. uh, and I, I just find it a curious. I understand the posturing, especially with a guy like Drew Rosenhaus as your agent and all. But it, to me, it, if you're wanting to quiet or help try to quiet some of the concerns right now, I'd say whoever wants to bring me in, bring me in. Yeah, I think you should be open, be willing to talk to any team, not do anything that make might make teams a bit more nervous and. 
listen, he's talented, but he's not Deion Sanders. I don't think he can sit there and tell teams who I want to talk to and who I don't want to talk to. But, you know, it's his call, and we'll see how it shakes out on draft day. Got a question here, if I can scroll back up. Brian says he loves Joey Porter Jr. and Penn State football, but why isn't Julius Brents getting as much love? Both are similarly long, competitive. We've been giving him a lot of love. Yeah, I think he'll, he won't be far behind Porter. He'll be, I think, a top 40 type pick. He maybe doesn't have quite the straight line speed in terms of testing. But yeah, I think overall they profile as pretty similar guys. I, mean, All right. I, know, I know Tyler Wise and, and Owen were on him kind of right out of the shoot, you know? Yeah, and I think both those guys, or maybe at least Tyler, somebody will be on for our Friday kind of roundtable, and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the cornerback class. Uh, Patrick Donovan, yo, what's up? Glad to be back catching y'all live. Question, what do y'all think about Canada not being at any pro days? I think that's pretty curious. I mean, I don't, I don't didn't expect him to be on the trail as heavy as he was last year with all the, the quarterback, you know, barnstorming tour that Pittsburgh did, but thought you might see the guy in a couple of places, but a goose egg for him is pretty surprising. Yeah, I, I, I thought we might pick him out once or twice. Now, look, just because we haven't spotted him, doesn't necessarily mean that we couldn't have missed them. Now, we 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 we're pretty. I mean, it's a big game between me and Alex. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, but and we would like to to think that had he been at one, we would have spotted him. But just because we haven't doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't at one of them. You know, sure. so. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a bit, so, you know, I, I expect that maybe we'd catch him one or one or once or twice. Right. I mean, we've caught him the years before we've caught OCs before. And even if we don't catch him, usually there's a, a reporter or, you know, Tony Pauline, somebody says, because when they report who was there, they talk about, you know, three things, basically head coaches, GMs and coordinators. And usually, you know, an OC is going to get swept up in that. So maybe he was somewhere. I'm not going to say that he 100% was not. But if he was, he he was hiding somewhere good, and I'm pretty confident he was not at five places the way that he was last year. So what does that mean? You know, it, it may to me it, it would mean less about oh they don't like Matt Canada and they're freezing him out of this process. It would mean more their draft focus has shifted towards the offensive line, which is why you saw Pat Meyer five places. So even if you want to take it as meaning something, to me it's not. They hate Matt Canada. If they hated him, they would have fired the guy. It's just our focus because Frisman Jackson didn't go anywhere either. So they, do they hate Frisman Jackson too? No, their focus probably sees more on offensive line than it is skill guys. Right. How many? How many people did we spot? Eighty something, um, or, or eighty different instances? I guess. Yeah, we got a new one after the post went up. Uh, eighty-six uh, total pro days with eighty-four specific people identified. At those 86 pro days, we also got information. Ike Taylor was at Central Florida, so that was a third one for Ike Taylor. So that was he's uh, pretty much been. Then he's pretty much been to. He's pretty much just stayed in Florida, anywhere close to him, probably right. Because it doesn't he pretty much reside down in Florida these days. I think so. He was at Miami, Florida, and then Florida and UCF. So it's probably kind of his territory in terms of DBs. Yeah. Uh, Logan Yawn, hey Alex and Dave, seems like there has been a lot of buzz around all players except Broderick Jones. Does Pat Meyer not being at the Pro Day mean anything for him not being the pick at 17? No, it does not. To me, positional coaches do not have to be uh, at that workout for first-round picks. I think it matters a lot more for second and third round, the day two guys. So uh, Tomlin, Khan, we're at the Georgia Pro Day, and so I think Jones is in play. I just don't know if he'll be there. I think he has a much better chance to be there than Paris Johnson, but I would still project and mock Jones to be off the board before pick 17. 
How many games did he uh, see? So started all 15 in 2022, played in every game starting the last four of the regular season at uh, at left tackle in 2021. In 2020, he saw his first collegiate action at right tackle in the fourth quarter drive at South Carolina, also played as a reserve in Missouri. So I guess he's got, you know, uh, let's see, 15 in 2022. Uh, he's got enough tape out there for, for, for them to, 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 you know, pro- probably qualify should he fall that far. I, I'm with you, though. I just think he's going to be one of the top two tackles off the board. Yeah, I would say the problems are that Pittsburgh hasn't drafted an offensive lineman early in a long time, in a decade. The Castro was the last, and taking a tackle in the first round has not happened. Is it still Jermaine Stevens as the last tackle they took in the first round? That's still the, the last uh, offensive tackle. I think so, right? Yeah, so that's even pre-Colbert. So we're going back a couple of regimes. And so what information is useful, it's hard to know for sure. I think Pittsburgh does like Power 5. We know that for sure. I think they do like experience in the body of work. Does Jones qualify? It's a little bit more questionable. But I think the fact that he had 15 starts this past year as Georgia wins the national title gives you some more tape. So although he's kind of a one-and-a-half-year starter, that full year was a long year, basically an NFL season, 15 games, and that may make Pittsburgh more comfortable in their evaluation of him. Look, that uh, that long that long streak of cornerback in the first round from, uh, who was it, Chad Scott, uh, finally got broke with, with, with Artie Burns, you know? Right. So uh, they come to an end at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and by the way, I had a question earlier. How quickly would Pittsburgh's uh, the Pirates' lead evaporate? It is now 3-3. So oh. <laughs> it took about 15 minutes for, for uh, Pittsburgh to give that lead up. Uh, let's see. Next question comes from, I just saw it here, about uh, I think maybe tight ends if I scroll on back up. Uh, I'm losing my place here. Trade idea, Kevin Dotson of the Titans for Malik Willis. I I think that's a little bad knee there. I think Mike might be a little tongue-in-cheek, uh, too. Ross says, what's your opinion on Josh Downs from North Carolina in the fourth? I don't think he'll last of the fourth. I think he's a top 50, top 60 type prospect. I like Downs' game a lot. I would not be mad if he became a Steeler. Yeah, a lot to like there. And you don't know how much to read into it. And A, you don't know particularly which person said it, but, you know, he mentioned during his post pro day press conference that, you know, uh, uh, someone from the Steelers told him that it was one of the best workouts that they had seen. So, uh, definitely would, uh, you definitely could use them. That's for sure. Yeah. He's athletic. He's good post catch. He plays bigger than his frame. He's got return value. He's got NFL bloodlines. His dad played in the NFL for six seasons. Pittsburgh loves that. So I know he's small. I know people will say you have Calvin Austin, but like I mentioned earlier, if, if Austin turns out good and downs turns out good, then you got more good players. And that's a very simple way to look at it. But you know, don't make the, uh, what someone say, don't make the simple complex, get good players, use good players. You're going to be good offense. Uh, Logan, yawn. Alex, I noticed you're not as high on Darnell Wright as some analysts. What did you see on tape that stuck out as a red flag? I, that's one guy. I've been watching more Day One Jones lately. I want to go back to Wright before the uh, the draft starts. I just worry about some of those guys that are heavier on the edge, and can they consistently defend the edge? That's one issue for Day One Jones with some of those inside counters and rushes. Um, but I know that Wright is a, a quality athlete, tested better than Day One Jones, has played left tackle before, so I don't want to... I don't want to say that I don't like the guy. I just had that concern watching him at the Senior Bowl, 
taking some lumps against an athletic pass rusher like Will McDonald. And he did bounce back later in, in, in the in the week of practice, but there is still some concern about a guy that, you know, how well can he move in space to defend that edge? Okay. Uh, big Gary with a big question here, and I'm going to let you answer this one first, Dave. If your life depended on correctly guessing one player from the Steelers draft class, what player would you guess? So any any other draft picks, if you had to call your shot, you know, Babe Ruth on one name, who would it be, Dave? Oh, Lord. <laughs> and that's how I, I love you to start, start yeah. questions this way. I mean, I... I mean, last year it was a, it, it was a little bit easier. I wouldn't say easier, but I mean, you had the whole Connor Hayward thing just sitting there for for such a long time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'll say this. I mean, I could I could definitely see Nick Herbrig <laughs> being a selection at some point. The, the toughest problem I have with Nick Herbrig is where does he go? Right. You know, uh, are, is, is there a team that, that honestly believes that he can be an edge, you know, or, you know, be, you know, be, be an, be an edge rusher or, or kind of a, you know, a guy that you can move, move around in the defense and you get a lot of snaps out of, uh, along with special teams. I mean, cause if, if so, and if you particularly think you can, you can maybe beef him up a little bit, make an edge out of him, then, then the fourth round speculation makes a lot of sense, but, even he said after his pro day, you know, he agreed with kind of what he's hearing is he's going to have to move off the ball at the next level, you know? Mm -hmm. And if indeed that's the case, you know, is there a team that loves the traits and, and, and and, the potential of the position switch that would take him high, you know, that high, or then uh, if all 32 teams believe that, look, he's not, he's got to move off the ball, then, then how far does he slip? Does he actually go into the sixth round at that point? Uh, I mean, I, I like him a lot better on the Steelers as a developmental inside linebacker guy in the sixth round than, than I do the fourth. But long story short, I guess if there was a guy that that sitting here right now that I could see just because of the dot connecting and, and a lot of the obvious things, I would say Nick Herbig. Okay, but yeah. it, but but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my house or my life or anything on it. There's really there's really not a guy in this class right now that or in you know from from what I can see so far that that I, I would I would bet my life on or bet my house on. You know. Yeah, there isn't that name that comes to mind for me either. I'd have to obviously think about that some more, and I don't want to give away something in a mock draft. But I will say, as the Pirates are now. Down five to three. My goodness, it's been going to be a tough season. We're four games in. Um, I'll say Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, the guy that I've talked about basically from the onset. I know that they could go with a bunch of different defensive tackles, whether you're talking Brian Brisset, uh, Javon Dexter, Mazzy Smith, but just something in my gut says they're going to like Benton playing up and down the line, the length, the toughness, the wrestling background, Wisconsin guy. I- I'll say Keanu Benton somewhere in the second round. Okay, and they brought him in for a visit today. Yep. And so checking all those boxes. Faceless Man says, if Addison and one of the good three cornerbacks is left and Brian Branch is left, do you think we'd take Addison? So it's Addison versus the top corner versus Branch. No, I don't think they would take Addison. They would take either Branch or that corner before they took Jordan Addison. Uh, There was a report earlier today, I think from Aaron Wilson, uh, about some of the pre-draft visits that that Branch has set up. And uh, now obviously he could have more 
than just that, but, but the Steelers weren't on that list. Uh, you think they need to bring him in? No, I don't think so. I think historically first round picks have not typically come in for pre-jet visits because Tomlin slash Colin have always been there or almost always been there, at least since 2010. And they were at Alabama this year. And wasn't Grady Brown at Alabama this year too? So they're really, he he conducted the drills out there. And I'm, we don't know this to be a fact, but I'm going to guess it was probably pre, uh, you know, a, a pro day dinner with Brian Branch and some of those Alabama guys. So at that point, what else is there to talk about if you bring this guy in? So uh, I don't, I'd have to research the history a bit more, but I think generally speaking, there is not a strong correlation between uh, pre-draft visits and first round picks because they're at the, they're at those guys' pro days. All right. Next question comes from uh, Ashish Bial. I probably butchered that pronunciation, so I apologize very sincerely for that. But any updates on the Bud Dupree front? Does it seem like a deal is unlikely now? It's hard to say. According to the reporting, I believe from Jerry Dulac or whoever it was, I think it was him, uh, that they had a physical, no contract talks. Is this a situation, Dave, where they're going to go through the draft and kind of see what they get or don't get and then circle back to Dupree if they feel like they have to still add to that edge room? I mean, it, it obviously we, we could we could twenty four hour twenty four hours from now find out something, you know. Sure. But uh, uh, here's what I wrote the other day in that post. I think on what was it uh, the first or Sunday or Saturday? So I can't remember when it, when I wrote it there. But uh, uh, the good news with him is when he got cut loose from Tennessee that that he was not uh, did not have a failed physical designation and. You can circle that back to Tennessee as well, too, because three other players that they did cut did get the uh, uh, failed physical designation. So they wouldn't have they, they probably wouldn't have hesitated to put a failed physical designation on him if he wasn't healthy, I right. think. Uh, and then fast forward here, what, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, here's the other thing. It, has, it I think we're coming right up now on the time. I, it, it might not even be three full weeks since he was actually cut either so maybe they're and who knows you know what what were tomlin and khan actually back not that it probably makes that big a difference if they were there or not for for his visits like he i'm sure he knows his way around the facility at this point uh you know how true is the report about contract numbers not being talked i mean we'll, we'll have to you know, take jerry dulac's word for it long story short i i i i think that they, there might be some potential, maybe from both sides, of saying, let's let's see how this goes here the next couple of weeks. Because, uh, look, Dupree's market value might actually increase a little bit, a tiny bit after the draft to, to, to some other teams out there. So maybe he's not willing. Maybe he's the problem here. Maybe he's the one not wanting to jump right in to a deal just yet. But on the flip side, the Steelers probably wanted to get with all their pre-draft visitors coming in and 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 all like that, and may, maybe uh, Bud Dupree's schedule. Maybe they wanted to get the physical out of the way first to right. to at least get that out of the way in case both sides did want to jump into the deal. That could be done. So I I I don't other than just just knowing that he took the physical and left the town left left town unsigned. I don't know how much you can really read into that as far as probability of him getting signed or not signed. Sure, and it, it doesn't seem like. Dupree's market, while it could increase post-draft, I doubt it's very active right now. 30 years old, coming off a couple of rough years in Tennessee, some injury history, not going to have teams beating down your door to go sign you. So I think they want to just take all this slow. 
The physical was the important part. Why talk numbers before we know where you're at, you know, medically, physically, and they're really, I doubt there's a rush to get a deal done. All right, next question. Actually, before I get to the next question, I do want to pose this question. I saw some comments kind of answering it in the chat, but to answer Big Gary's question, if you guys, if the chat, if you had to pick one name that you felt like was going to be a stealer, destined to become a stealer, who would that guy be? Put his name in the chat. I just want to see what the responses are, what some of the names are, if there is any sort of consensus or if the answers are all over the map. Getting back to the questions here, would you envision the Steelers taking Julius Brents or Keely Ringo if both were on the board? Sure. Um, both were in for pre-draft visits, and so that's obviously a, a connection there. Um, if, if you made me choose between Ringo and Brents in terms of what I think they will do, I would right now lean Ringo over Brents. Okay. Are you the other way on that? Or are you kind of no strong opinion? I don't have I don't have a preference one of the over the other significantly. No, I probably have watched more tape on Brents though. So okay, Reginald Rivers. Do you think Witherspoon, Montrevious Adams, and Gunnar Olszewski get cut after the draft? I doubt it. You know, rookie mini camp. Maybe some veteran gets turned loose, but they'll probably carry those guys to Latrobe and you know, take it from there. The thing is, with those guys that you mentioned there, you don't, you, you know, uh, other than Witherspoon, uh, after top top 51 displacement, it's not like you're saving all that much money, you know. So if you had a guy, you know, with a much higher cap charge, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see it. So of, of all those names that you mentioned, the most likely, if they were to part ways with one of them right after the draft, it would probably be Witherspoon. Because uh, uh, Montrevious Adams and Gunnar Olszewski, I mean, I'm not saying that either one of them are locks to make the roster, but you know, what what do you really save by cutting them loose when you could have injuries and and yada yada? So of all those, he named three, right? Witherspoon, Montrevious mm-hmm. Adams, and Gunnar, right? Yep, yep. So if you if you want to talk about the probability wise of one of them potentially getting cut right after the draft. I think it it, it, it would be Witherspoon, and especially if you, you know, drafted a couple of corners right. uh, in 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 this draft with Witherspoon set to make four million. You subtract the you know whatever the displacement is, or eight hundred fifty thousand. And also, do you if you have enough bodies in the room, do you want to take that four million? dollars salary through any of the on the field off season program and then potentially, you know, kind of getting hurt and, you know, that kind of thing there. So I don't think Adams and I think Adams, Montrevious Adams and Olszewski are both safe, at least until much, much later in the summer. Uh, Whereas Witherspoon, it probably depends on what you get in the draft and, and, and how you feel about his future moving on from there. But I could I could see all three of those guys lasting at least until the final cuts. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of Witherspoon. If they draft, let's just say, Joey Porter Jr. at 17, does that kind of put the writing on the wall for Witherspoon really not having a good path to make the team? That would be the one name because of the savings, because of the potential high draft pick that may make a difference, but uh, I still think Witherspoon goes to camp because when he's when he's played well, he's played well. Maybe you get the good version of Witherspoon for some portion of time and and ride that uh, roller coaster out. Uh, so the responses here in terms of the name that we could see becoming a Steeler, it's it's predominantly Joey Porter Jr. The only concern there is, will he be at 17? If you, if you had to, to bet your life on it, you're going to bet your life on him being there at 17. And, and, and could he be there? Absolutely. But he may not be there as well, and that's kind of where it gets dicey when you come and talk about first-round guys. 
All right, back up to the question. Just over 10 minutes left, over 100 people here in the chat. So appreciate you guys hanging out with Dave and I. Let me scroll back up to where I was. Uh, let's see, Logan asking about um, waiting post-draft to sign Dupree. Kind of touched on that. He mentions Derek Hall. I'm a big Derek Hall fan. I would not be mad if they took him at probably 49 is where it's going to have to be. Could he slip to 80? That would be tremendous value. I don't think Hall will be the guy, but I'm a big fan of him. Thought he had a really strong uh, senior bowl as Brian Reynolds has gone yard. And so it is, what's the score in Pirates land? 5-4. But um, yeah, Derek Hall, you like Derek Hall too, right, Dave? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah nobody was there though. At, who was at Auburn? It was just... Uh... Scout, I, Watts? Was it Chris Watts? Somebody. But not yeah. a positional coach that we're aware of. Yeah, least. I was kind of hoping maybe a positional coach would show up down there. Max Shell, who makes a bigger jump next year, Pickett or Warren? Dave, who makes a bigger jump, Pickett or Warren? Oh, obviously hoping, <laughs> hoping Pickett does. Yeah. yeah, he better. It better be Kenny Pickett as, as much as we want to see Jalen Warren progress, and I think he will progress. It, uh, it better be Kenny Pickett for the Steelers' sake. Look, I mean, Warren, Warren did a fine job, you know, his rookie season. Uh, you know, I, I, I and, and I mean this positively, you know, how much, how much more do we have, you know, how much more, uh, uh, until he reaches his ceiling, you know, what, what's the gap there at this point? Cause we got to see him do quite a few different things, you know, during, during his rookie season there. So, uh, even if he were to make a, 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 a jump, how much, what would that look like? You know? It's a good question. I feel like he's pretty close to his ceiling. I think obviously anytime you go from year one to year two, that just the game slows down. You're not worried about, you're not as worried about your roster spot. Obviously you're not fighting the way that he fought a year ago. You can kind of, you know, take it all in, um, you know, probably work on conditioning and, and weight and all that kind of stuff. But I think Warren spoke to, he was back in Oklahoma state recently and seemed like, yeah, the NFL, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. So I like that perspective. <laughs> Reminds me of Marquise Pouncey. Remember, he said similar similar things uh, his rookie year. Uh, any guys in particular in the middle rounds who you would like as a third outside linebacker? Derek Hall, we mentioned, although I think he's probably more not middle rounds guy, you know, early day two, mid day two kind of guy. What other edge rushers do we like here, Dave? I think um, Yaya Diaby from Louisville, who played with as a three four end, could stand up and kind of be that Chicolo type. But um, good bend, good power, good effort overall. So I kind of like Diaby as a conversion guy. Yeah, and the uh, Northwestern kid, uh, I, who I don't dare pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, He's going to be a high he, pick. Though. He could even be a first-round yeah, pick, honestly. Yeah, Felix and, and, a, and, a, and a Duke Uzama. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, is you go through his tape, he didn't, you know, not that, not that it's a huge killer, but he didn't play on his feet much of any, but he fits, I mean, everything else got nice bend and he's got that kind of that, uh, that, that outside linebacker kind of, uh, measurables to him. What six foot three and eight, 255 pounds, got some long arms on him, 33 and a half, uh, overall. I mean, that, that's a guy that you could see, uh, the USC kid. It'd be interesting to see what uh, that who they brought in for the uh, visit today. Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, yeah, uh, the name Tuli Tuli T. I, yeah. I know you're talking about though. Uh, be interesting to see, <laughs> you know what what the plan 
because you know he's, he's being called a defensive lineman. Do you, you know do you beef him up or, or, or do you make him more of a uh, do you ask him to drop about ten pounds and you know get him kind of in that perfect uh, uh, range that the Steelers like and also I think he could and, and man he he was able to get after the passer there at USC as well too. He's got some nice got got a nice sack reel to him I think overall. Uh, who else edge wise? Yeah, uh, Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan. Yeah, Ronnie more Phelps of a later round. Yeah. Lot, Later round guy with him. Uh, that oh, you know Byron Young out of Tennessee is another mm. one. You know, a little squattier. He's probably going to end up slipping, maybe into later day two. I think. Okay. Yeah, does Jonathan have an edge in his mock? Let me see. Let me scroll through it here really quickly. Uh, I don't think he. It took me. It took me several weeks to get my By- By- Byron Young's oh. uh, differentiated, but <laughs> once I did, uh, I definitely know the uh, the edge rusher of the two now, and that's the one out of Tennessee. Yeah, he's got a trade in here to take the pit kid, Baldonado. So that's uh, what he has in in his mock. So yeah, it, it's the edge class. It's got some names in there for Pittsburgh, no doubt about that. Xavier Robinson, as a University of Minnesota alum, I'm hoping they take John Michael Schmitz at 32. Do you think they would take a center instead of a tackle at 32, even if they don't get a tackle at 17? Kind of goes off the discussion, Dave, and I had at the top of the show or the podcast. I don't know. I, I think if you look at the team on paper, they should go tackle before center, but based on the tea leaves of the guys they've shown interest in, including John Michael Schmitz bringing him in for a pre-draft visit, they, they could still go center. So I'm kind of horn on this one yeah i i'll be a bit surprised if it's a center with the first two picks though yeah maybe choose i'll say tackle still but you know you can't ignore what they've been doing uh pre-draft and during the uh free agency period i mean they brought in stromberg and uh i mean they they've looked at some centers now so. yeah yep uh, Logan, I know, uh, says Alex, I know you love Darnell Washington. If uh, teams go offensive tackle heavy before 32-49 and only that Alabama kid is left, you think they pull the trigger on Washington and give those offensive tackles some help with them and troll personnel? I'm all for it. It depends on what offense you want to be, what identity Pittsburgh wants to, to revolve themselves around. Obviously, they want to be you know run first, physical. That's kind of what they've talked about, what they've certainly shown in terms of the moves they made. Will Washington be the guy, though? I, I, I don't think it will, but... I'm not mad about it if I'm wrong. Sign sign me up if it happens. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I'll definitely I'll definitely uh, will watch the tape of that uh, for for sure. Uh, that guy's just a monster, and he can get out in space. And uh, yeah, sign me up for that if that happens. I, I don't think it will, but you know me and tight ends, especially mm-hmm. ones that come that can run block. And man, I mean that that guy has sixth offensive lineman put in his. I think in his social media uh, profiles there. So uh, definitely would be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely would not be mad if he became a stealer at, say, pick 32. Russ Obens- we, we still don't know what the contract is for Gentry either. So right. we, And, and, and uh, no more quote-unquote uh, official signings came in on the transaction sheet today for the Steelers on the NFL page and all like that. So we're going to be waiting – at least a couple more days to find out the details on, on Gentry's contract. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be tweeted by Aaron Wilson at like 2.04 a.m. One, one of these nights here. Uh, got some time for just a couple more questions. Want to get to some new people. Russ Obenstein says he thinks Omar's going to pull off some surprise moves. We'll see. You know, it's a little hard to project in a, in a first-year GM. 
uh, like Omar Khan is in right now. Steve Brooks says, can Pat P transition to strong safety? I know that safety talk's been discussed, and we'll see what Pittsburgh has planned. I don't think strong safety is going to be the the plan, though, for, for Pat P. Yeah, lay out to him real quick your you know, your thoughts on what kind of what Tomlin said and what that likely means. Yeah, I think, and this goes back to Tomlin and, and Peterson himself saying about, you know, being uh, making Peterson more versatile, moving him around a bit, you know, playing some safety. And, and again, we'll have to see what that looks like. And I know that typically older corners that lose some of that speed become free safeties and make that transition. But I think what Tomlin was referring to was some of the post-snap rotations Pittsburgh does, you know, inverted cover two, um, you know, being able to rotate Minka down to play Robert to play, uh, you know, those, those crossing routes and, and rotating a, a cornerback to play safety behind. And so um, I think it'll get some of that safety work and kind of that structure, but I don't think it'll be necessarily pre-snap alignment or playing the Edmonds role as a strong safety or something like that. I could be wrong, but I think that's basically what um, Tomlin was referring to was kind of doing so, some of the rotations they would do with Cam Sutton last year. All right, what else do we have here from some maybe new people in the chat? Bill Thompson, if they draft Daywan Jones or Darnell Wright, is Chakuma Korfor tradable, or are they really going to sit one of those guys behind him or bench a Korfor making that amount of money? I think it's Dan Moore that, that gets benched, but this guy, to, to Bill's point, kind of more right tackle guys and Daywan Jones, at least maybe right, although he's played more left tackle. Kind of how does that look? And I've had that that question as well. I've kind of struggled with, let's say they draft Daywan Jones, how do they figure that out in training camp? Well, here's the thing about first and foremost, uh, you know, the, the kind of a question about Jaquama Corfor, and I wrote about this earlier in the offseason. Look, he just had his roster bonus date uh, pass on the 19th. So there's $4 million now that he's guaranteed from the Steelers once, once, once March 19th passed. So if you were, if, if they had any, any real, want to try to move him, I think you would have seen that happen before his roster bonus was due. Right. So if if somebody gets benched to tackle, it's going to be Dan Moore, not a core four. Right. And could they trade him? I don't know if Pittsburgh's in the business of trading their tackles. Tackle dump, that is so scarce as it is. And, and a core four would not be depth, but you know it would be a core four, rookie, Dan Moore, LaRaven Clark is your four tackles. Yeah, and they only have 300 contract right now. Right, you know? right. And I don't want LaRaven Clark to be one snap away from playing <laughs> snaps. No, thank you. Right. Got a couple of super chats. One from Dead Planet. $2 says message retracted. And I'm trying to see. He made a comment here about expecting a positive leap from both Jalen Ward and Kenny Pickett. And I'm, I'm in agreement on that. Uh, also saying full offseason as a starter, full 16 games. I'd say it'd be very strange for Kenny to somehow get worse. I just don't see that. I agree. The question is not about will he get worse, but how much of a leap will that be in year two? Hopefully it is a big leap, a really noticeable one that that happens quickly, um, as opposed to maybe a small step forward. Yeah, look, he had that big, long uh, article today on Steelers.com, I think by Teresa Varley and all. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, as as you'd expect, positive stuff coming out of his mouth. But it it feels like he feels like he uh, progressed, uh, you know, pretty quickly along the way. And, you know, first off season, he's not having to worry about all the draft stuff and all that kind of stuff. He's been able to go down to Florida to work with with, with, with some of the guys already. So, I mean, uh, and obviously, you know, second year in, 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 in you know, uh, uh, in the same system. And you would expect that to hopefully progress a little bit there. So, uh, I mean, all, all 
everything says that he should make the net, make the jump. It's just what will that jump look like? Right, and and to what degree is going to be the question? Ten dollars super chase from our friend Tim Chase, who says, uh, "Thanks, fellas." So thank you so much for the super chat there, Tim. Just time for a couple more questions left. Is there any live mocks coming up at some point? I don't have a date yet, but but they're coming. Um. What else do we have here? Qu- quality co-loss. If Kenny does everything absolutely right and stays healthy, what do you guys see in vision as Kenny ceiling ranked out of 32 quarterbacks when we actually know who he is with validation? That's a big weighty question to begin wrapping things up. Yeah. I said in terms of ceiling coming out, you know, maybe a top 10, top eight kind of guy. The, the the lack of elite physical tools will limit him from entering that, you know, real tier one type class. And so I don't know. I don't think about these things too often to answer the question here since you asked it. I would say maybe, again, best case, like perfect case scenario, like a top seven to eight quarterback in the NFL. I I would think just more than anything, kind of a more broader answer to that question would would be, I think you you definitely want to come out of this, this season with us saying, Kenny's easily one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I know that's pretty broad, but uh, I mean, let, let's say let's 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 call it top thirteen. Okay. Right? Uh, I think you most definitely want everybody in agreement, which is obviously hard to <laughs> when it comes to this thing. But I, I, once again, it's a broad painted kind of statement. But I think you easily want most everyone to come out of this next season saying, you know what, Kenny Pickett's easily a top thirteen quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, and and, and then, he, then obviously room for improvement to, to, to continue an upward climb. Sure. And I would say if he becomes, let's say, my, my top seven, top eight quarterback, you could win a Super Bowl with him. It would take, you know, some things going your way and a great roster around him. But that would, I think, put you in that Super Bowl contention window. A uh, couple more questions. Really quick here, rapid fire. This hominid, what is Kendrick Green's purpose on the roster and why is he still on it? Because they don't really have a good reason to cut him right now. He's some depth and go into camp and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, he's cheap. You 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 know, you, you hold him on, or, on to him because he does have some center experience there and obviously, you know, can play some guard and all. So it's just one of those biding the time type type situations i i you know i you you're probably in agreement i don't expect them to make the 53 this year yep i'm with you todd christian heard you guys talking about danny smith being at pro days uh do you think they could look at a return man i'd have to look at see who all was there georgia and clemson those were the two pro days danny smith was at in terms of what maybe return capable late round guys they, that could be there i don't know i just know there were a couple of kickers there and i imagine that's kind of what was drawing danny smith to those mm-hmm. places i would agree all right, let's see what else we have here. I think that's probably just about it. Uh, Jared says, a great Q&A tonight, as always, Alex. Incredible work, as always, gents. Thank you so much, Jared. We'll go out here. We'll we'll end things on this question from Pittsburgh, Toddy86. Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Dave, what's your choice? Oh, man, those Chick-fil-A sandwiches are out of this world, uh, especially without the pickle on them. I'm the, I'm the guy oh, you don't like the them- pickle. No, I don't eat pickles, man. Never have. Uh, I, I I'm the guy that orders orders them without pickles. Mm. But I do. I, I I. But you know what? I I haven't even had one of the Popeyes. You know, because there was all that fuss a couple years ago about the Popeyes spicy chicken sandwich or whatever. And I think they were constantly out of them here in in Vegas. But okay. uh, I I haven't even had 
uh, one. But and my wife really doesn't eat chicken, but she will eat a Chick Fil A sandwich. So we usually end up if, we, if that's something that we eat, we usually run run up run, run over to Chick Fil A. Yeah, I'll go Chick Fil A too. I don't. There's really not many Popeyes, I guess, up northeast like this. I mean, I think they're kind of more southern out your way. I mean, maybe there's someone some Popeyes around here, but uh, Chick Fil A is closer, so so I'll go with that as well. I don't do spicy either. I can't do. I'm very. Uh, Adverse. Oh, we love it. We're, we're, we, we, we love those, you know, we love a lot of black pepper on our mm. food. So, uh, yeah, we, both of us like spicy. All right. Well, appreciate you guys being here. A good turnout tonight. A lot of good questions. And so Dave and I will have a couple more of these live streams before late April strap. I want to thank you guys for being here. You can catch an archive version of this on Steelers Depot in just a little bit. And Dave, Brian, as always, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for for uh, conducting these and reading the questions and having to do the hard part of it there. And thank you, everybody, for showing up tonight. Uh, remember that we're going to have a couple of these draft roundtables on some upcoming podcast episodes, and those will be must-listen-to episodes as, as well, too. And peace and love, everybody. Yeah, we'll have one this Friday and probably at least one more before the draft. And, of course, after the draft. And the Pirates just tied the game at 5. And so that's a good note for us to go out on. Appreciate you guys being here. You can listen to an archive version of this stream, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, later on Steel's Depot. Appreciate, appreciate you guys being here, and we'll talk to you soon. Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love.